0: It's a perfect song leading into what we're going to talk about tonight and um, as we talk about Joshua and his life. And we're going to read that scripture twice tonight in two different times that talks about being strong in the Lord and having courage. Um, You know, there's a lot of influential, even from the past, and for one reason or another, they're oftentimes overlooked because they had someone else Surrounding them, who either lived before them or lived after them, that was of such um, popularity that they're kind of overshadowed, and I think that's oftentimes what happens with Joshua, uh, who we'll be talking about tonight. And as he is Moses's successor, as he, when you think about Moses and the things that he accomplished, and and all of the things with uh, leading the people out of Egypt and through the wilderness and all of those things, and and so. It brings us to Joshua, and, and we're going to see that Joshua is uh, going to start off as like the second fiddle, uh, the, the second in command, the second in charge, and oftentimes, I know that um, we're going to read a very popular verse uh, that was hung up in my house uh, for many years that I often had memorized, but I didn't really know the um, where that fit in Scripture and, and the story around that, because... Joshua was not a story that I heard all that often. I heard about Moses, but Joshua was not one that is often told. So, and the verse is Joshua twenty four fifteen, and this is actually a picture that would look closely to something that I had hanging in my house. It was like a stitch thing that someone had given us, but it says, "But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord." And I had that verse memorized as a child. And the reason why I had it memorized is because it was hanging in my house. And we saw it often. And uh, about that verse, uh, James Montgomery Boyce says this. Perhaps best known for these familiar words, the book of Joshua is a story of one man's lifetime of service to the Lord. Not just through obedience, but through love. Because one without the other is hypocrisy. If you love God you will keep His commands. And it goes with that principle that if you attempt to obey these commands and sincerely walk in God's ways, you will find yourself coming to love God more and more. I really uh, love what he had to say about that verse because it's true. Uh, You cannot love God and not obey God. Those two go hand in hand. And... I guess that really goes with anyone that you love. You're going to listen to someone that you love. You're going to uh, serve someone that you love. And that's the same thing that Joshua is telling us here when he talks about for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to follow Him in obedience and love. So where does this fit on the timeline? I was going to like color half of the word law in red and then all of conquest because... Uh, Joshua will be a part, a little bit of a part of the law. We're going to see that in just a second. But mostly Joshua is going to be a part of the conquest of the nation of Israel. Going into the promised land, conquering it, and taking it over. So with that said, Joshua was the son of Nun. He was born a slave in the time of Egypt when the nation was slaves in Egypt. Joshua would have been there and been alive and seen um, God and Pharaoh battle it out. Not that that was much of a battle, but he would have been there for all of that. He would have been there to see the nation led out of of Egypt. uh, Been there to see the Red Sea part. Um, He was one of the men chosen by Moses to go and spy out the land. The first time they come to the edge of the promised land. Joshua, Caleb, and ten other men are chosen to go and to spy out the land and to um, see if it is fit for taking, see what kind of people are there. Kind of a scouting trip. And as they come back to report to the nation, to report to Moses, uh, Joshua and Caleb say, the Lord's with us, let's go. And we see that the other ten men that went with them says there's no way in the world that we can do that. There's no way uh, that we can go in and take the land. The people are too strong. They're too big. And, but Joshua and Caleb, having courage, having faith in God, say, we're ready. Let's go. Um, the nation grumbles against the Lord. God tells them that because of their grumbling, because of their disbelief, they're going to wander in the wilderness And uh, that he will raise up a new generation of people. That they will die in the wilderness. And that he will raise up a new group to inherit the land. So uh, a few people didn't like God's plan B. So they kind of uh, try to go back to plan A. And they get some people together. go, no, we're just going to go into the land. Moses tells them, God's not going with you. It's not a good idea. They do it anyway and they're destroyed. So 40 years of wandering. In the, in the desert and that brings us to God telling Moses you are not allowed to go into the promised land. And he lets him see it from afar. But this is when we will have Joshua taking over. Joshua being the second in command and going to be commissioned here. So uh, let's look at the first thing about Joshua's life and that's that it is that he was second in command. As we look at the first five books of the Bible, we're focused on the promise from God to Abraham that your offspring will inherit this land. Exodus 17, we see Joshua going into battle with Moses there as the leader. We see that Moses tells him, I want you to lead the charge and I'm going to sit up on the mountain with my hands raised. Uh, so, Joshua was very much, one of the things I spoke to Landon about as I've been studying about Joshua uh, for the last several weeks is that Joshua was a military leader. And the battles that he fought, uh, he would have known how to fight. So, as Moses sends him into battle, we see that he is a a fighting man. And, and so, he's second in command not only in battle, but he's also second in command To Moses himself. Uh, Turn back to Exodus chapter 24. Exodus chapter 24, starting in verse 12. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone. With the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua. And Moses went up to the mountain of God. This is the first time that we're going to see Joshua mentioned as Moses' assistant. As uh, his uh, second in command. And uh, Exodus, a few pages over to Exodus chapter 33. Uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago as we were going through our series on Exodus on Sunday mornings. And I really enjoyed this text when we uh, studied it then and I wanted to include it here. Uh, in verse 9, it says, When Moses entered the tent, and the pillar of the cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of a cloud standing at the entrance of the tent... All the people would rise up and worship, each at his his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. You know, Joshua had the very unique privilege to experience some pretty amazing things by being the second in command to Moses think of the things that he saw, to think of the things that he got to experience, it would be pretty amazing. Uh, And I really love how one commentator said it. He said, Joshua hung out just in case God wanted to give further instruction. I don't know if he was in awe of who God was or if he really was waiting on further instruction, but he did not depart from the tent. So Joshua got to experience some pretty amazing things while he was committed uh, to Moses. While he was second in command to Moses. And while Joshua was second in command. I, I want you to understand that he was 100% committed to Moses. And, and helping Moses to seek the Lord. And helping Moses to do the things that um, he was called to do. And Joshua played uh, the part of second in command very well. He didn't argue about his position. He didn't argue about his place of leadership. He served the Lord wholeheartedly. And he was not only committed uh, to Moses, he was also 100% committed to the Lord. So secondly, let's look at his commissioning. Commissioning the soldier. I I chose to call it commissioning the soldier because we're going to see that Joshua really is a soldier as he gets into the land. Deuteronomy 34 9 says this. I'm going to read it from the screen. It says, um, It says this. And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. So we see in this verse in Deuteronomy, back in Deuteronomy, that Joshua was commissioned by Moses. But turn to Joshua chapter 1. As we start in the book of Joshua, uh, it's very important that we read a part here as we start in Joshua about the Lord commissioning uh, Joshua and how important that must be. It's kind of funny as I was preparing to to teach this this week. uh, Verse 9 was Isaiah's scripture this week in Awana to to memorize, so it's kind of been drilled in my head as well. Uh, but let's look starting in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that a, The sole of your foot will tread upon I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river of Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea towards the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will also be with you. And then here's a lovely coffee cup verse for you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be very strong and very courageous being careful to do according to all the law law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it from the right or from the left that you may have success wherever you go. Then we see God, uh, the Lord, commissioning Joshua for the task that the nation will have in taking the promised land. And he gives him very specific instructions on what to do. Be careful to do all that the law tells you to do. Do not let the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. And then you will have success. In my many years of youth ministry... uh, I would give this verse specifically to students on how to walk faithful with the Lord. If you want to be prosperous, if you want to have success in fighting sin, if you want to have success in standing in your school when all of those around you are doing whatever the world tells them to do, you have to be in God's Word. You have to stand firm on the Word of God. You cannot Turn from it from to the left or to the right. You have to meditate on it day and night. And, and this is not just for teenagers, but it's for us as adults as well. We have to be grounded in God's word. And this is exactly what God is telling to Joshua. As he's ready to go into the land, uh, flowing with milk and honey, into the promised land, these are his commands. stand It's not go out and prepare, not go through battle strategies, not do all of these things. Remain in the word. Meditate on it. Spend time in it. So that you will be ready. Then you will have success. Then you will have prosperity. So, here we see the Lord commissioning Joshua. So let's look at crossing into the land. Because this is a very important part. Is we have this very specific uh, section where they are going into the land, crossing over into the Two main obstacles stand in Joshua's way and taking uh, to getting into the promised land. The first one was the Jordan River. Uh, the other would have been uh, the main city after you get into the, into the land. And that would have been Jericho. And we've heard many, many songs about Joshua fighting the battle of Jericho and all those things. But we're, we're going to take a look at those things. Um, and what they did to prepare for that. So uh, Joshua chapter 3. Turn uh, to Joshua 3. Starting in verse 7. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that you, uh, that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priest who bear the ark of the covenant. Uh, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, Ger- uh, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant and the Lord Much like Moses, as he's leading the people out of Egypt, uh, he performs a miracle. uh, He's doing the exact same thing with Joshua. And he tells Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel. I'm going to let the people of Israel know that I'm with you in the exact same way I was with Moses. Uh, And of course that will bring us to the very famous... Joshua fighting the battle of Jericho. Uh, Before that can take place, Joshua sends in two spies. Uh, I want you to uh, key in on the fact that he remembers going in the first time. And he remembers the disobedience. And he remembers wandering in the wilderness, in the desert for 40 years. And he's like, that's not happening again. He sends two, not 12. And he tells them to come back and to report to him, not to everybody. And with the help of of Rahab, um, we see that they report back to Joshua that the people's hearts in Jericho have melted before them. The Lord is already giving them victory. Uh, They're ready to set into motion God's plan. So flip over to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua has prepared the men to go in and take the land. And they're going to start... By taking this new generation uh, of people, of God's people, and they're going to set up some memorials to remind them of what God has already done. Um, This new generation, they're going to circumcise them, uh, to get them, to prepare them, to commit them to the Lord. They're going to keep the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the same way that they were commanded to do so. Uh, You see, Joshua obeying the law to a T. He's doing exactly what God has commanded him to do. And then as they start to eat the fruit in uh, the promised land, we see here that a uh, really cool thing that I didn't realize happened here is that the manna ceased. The manna that God had given them to eat, it stops flowing here and with Joshua getting into the land. And as they start to eat the fruit of the land, that the manna st- stops. So uh, chapter 5, verse 13. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Again, we see a comparison between Moses and Joshua. Uh, Moses had the burning bush and an encounter with God in the burning bush. Uh, And here we see Joshua receiving instruction much in the same manner that Moses did uh, in in that time. Uh, And this event was foretold in Exodus 23. You can see it up on the screen. It says, Behold, I send an angel before you to guard your way on the way, to bring you to a place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice, not to rebel against him, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. So uh, there are many scholars who believe that this is Jesus uh, pre-incarnate. We, uh, many believe that it was just an angel of the Lord who fought for the Lord's army. Regardless of what other way, either way that you believe, it was uh, a being from heaven. So uh, I personally think it was Jesus, um, but it says it was an angel of the Lord, of the Lord's army. So um, God immediately tells Joshua, I have given Jericho into your hand. This is Joshua two, And with its king and its mighty men of valor. So an amazing victory for the Lord. And I say it's for the Lord because you know the story. Joshua and the men, they march around the city uh, seven days. Uh, on the seventh day, they march around it uh, seven times. And, um, of course, they blow the trumpets and shout with a loud shout. And the walls come tumbling down. So um, not only does God exalt Joshua in his leadership leadership position, but he also will encourage God's people Uh, To have confidence, yes, in Joshua, but also mainly in God. He wants his people to trust him. He wants his people to see that he is going to do exactly what he said he's going to do. And also the thing that God is doing here in this moment is he's causing the hearts of the inhabitants of the land to melt away. Um, I know uh, as I played football in middle school and junior high, I lost interest in junior high because... uh, It kind of makes me sad that I lost interest in football because I ended up being 6'4 and 300 pounds. But um, I I loved football in middle school, but I was not athletic at all. And one of the things that we always used to do when uh, we played in our little district in Oklahoma that we played in is we knew that when we played the Davis Wolves, we were going to get whipped. We played other teams. We could compete. But when we played the Davis Wolves, we were going to lose. They ran the wishbone. They ran the wishbone to perfection, and we couldn't stop it. So um, I, I can imagine how the inhabitants of the land must have felt seeing God's army come, seeing the people of God come, and they just knew it's over for us. We're out of here, and, and their hearts melted away before them. So uh, fourth, let's look at taking the land. I could do a eight-week series on Joshua chapter 6 through Joshua chapter 12 and all of the battles that Joshua would fight and all the um, kings that he would conquer. Uh, 31 kings in all, to be exact. Uh, if you look at Joshua chapter 12, you can see from verse 7 to 24, it lists out all the kings that Joshua would defeat in that time. I have a few maps up on the screen um, You can see the yellow line coming in from the right to the left is where they would have crossed over the Jordan and gone to Jericho and on to Ai. And then, of course, you see this southern campaign of going through city to city and defeating all those cities. If you don't like the 3D map, here's another one. Um, This one's kind of showing you where they came in, and then they went down and took all these southern cities. We have the northern campaign as well, and the next map, the 3D map, You can see as they came down uh, up through the Jordan by the Sea of Galilee and uh, took many cities up through the north. And, of course, I have a non-3D version of that as well where they took uh, many cities, many kings. And, and like I said, in in Joshua chapter 12, you see a whole list of all those kings. Uh, And if you want a really generic map, you can see that there's the southern campaign and there's the northern campaign. And how that must have looked as Joshua defeated all these kings. He um, did not show mercy to the people. He devoted them to destruction. And uh, exactly the way God had commanded them to do. Uh, Next, let's look at dividing the land. Because once the land has been taken, once these armies and cities have been defeated, uh, we see Joshua... Getting a little older in his age. And he comes to the people and he begins the whole process of dividing the land amongst the 12 tribes of Israel. So that they can go and inherit the land and, and um, fill it the way God had commanded them to do. So um, he begins to cast lots. Um, you can read about all of that. How all that played out from Joshua 12 to 21. Joshua would use this diplomacy. Uh, Turn to Joshua 18. He would use diplomacy in his ability to divide the land among the tribes. Um, Starting in verse 8. It said, So the men arose and went. And Joshua charged those who went to write a description of the land, saying, Go up and down in the land and write a description and return to me. And I will cast lots for you here before the Lord in Shiloh. So the men went and they passed up and down in the land and wrote a book. In a book, a description of it by towns and seven divisions. So they came to Joshua at the camp of Shiloh. And Joshua cast lots for them in Shiloh before the Lord. And there Joshua apportioned uh, the land to the people of Israel to each his portion. So... um, not only does Joshua use um, wisdom and intelligence in, in, in dividing up the land, but he also sought wisdom from the Lord and how he divided the Lord. He t- made them all go and see which, what the land was like, what, uh, what type of land it was, how fruitful it was. He had them come and, and report back to him. And then they cast lots and they uh, divided the land amongst the people. There's actually a picture of how they divided the land. Um, And um, so 18, 8 through 10, and they rose, and he gave, portioned out the land to the people. Let's look at this last charge to the nation. Last charge to the nation. We see Joshua getting older. He knows that his time is coming uh, quickly to an end on the earth. And he wants his people... uh, I can only imagine that as he starts his life out in slavery in Egypt and seeing all the things with Moses. And then he gets to be the leader in the land as they come in and they uh, take over uh, possession of the land. They have victory after victory um, from the Lord. And he wants to make sure the people know exactly what they need to do to keep the land. What, exactly what the people need to do to be fruitful in the land. So Joshua chapter 24, we have um, him speaking to the people, uh, starting in verse 14. He says, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods of your father, that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers, that your fathers served in the region beyond the river. Or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. He said, but for as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered. I want you to really pay close attention on how the nation responds to Joshua. Joshua wanted the people to know how to keep the land. And now that they have it, he wants them to remember how they got it. And how they got where they were. What the Lord had done. And what they needed to do to be continually faithful to the Lord. We'll come back to this story shortly. But let's look at some negatives and positives of Joshua's life. First of all, Joshua prospered because he had faith in the Lord. And remained obedient to the word. Turn back to Joshua chapter 1. I want to read this verse again. We read it a little earlier, but I want to read it again. But because God is making a very uh, profound statement to Joshua on how you can remain faithful to him. How you can prosper in your faith. How you can remain obedient to the Lord. Uh, Verses 5 through 8. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And just as I was with Moses, I will also be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. For you shall cause the people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law of Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For when you will make your for then I will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. By faith, the walls of Jericho came down. Uh, By faith, over and over and over, Joshua had victory when he shouldn't have had victory. You know, when you see in in historical battles, when you have a a people group inside of a city, there's two choices, really. You either have to have a whole lot more people than they do and attack, or you have to surround the city where they can't get Uh, food or water, and you just wait them out. But we see over and over again, victory after victory, God gives gives them victory. God gives them victory in the uh, circumstances that ultimately would not gain you victory. But because the Lord was fighting for them, they have victory through faith. And Joshua did not think it was him. He knew it was the Lord. Uh, He did not become prideful. In his victories, he remained faithful to the Lord and served him, even up until the end here. So let's look at the one negative in Joshua's life. Um, Much like Daniel, when I taught on Daniel uh, a while back, it was really difficult for me to find something inside of Daniel that that was negative. But here we see something. uh, Joshua has a blemish here where Joshua entered a deceptive peace treaty with the Gibeonites because he did not consult the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 7, the Lord gives very specific commands not to show mercy, not to make any covenants with the people, but to devote them to destruction. And um, Joshua is going to be deceived. The men are going to be deceived in making a peace treaty with this group of people. Uh, They get all pitiful and they dress themselves in... Sackcloth, and they make their sandals look torn up, and they put dirt on their face, and they make their food old and crumbly and rotten, and they come to the Israelites and say, "We're from a far land, and um, we're come to to. We've heard of your success, and we've come to uh, worship your God." And the men take some food. Let's look at verse fourteen, Joshua chapter nine, verse fourteen, at what they did. Joshua 9, 14 says, So the men took some of their provisions, but did not ask counsel from the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore to them. Um, Don't want to get into this story too much, but it's definitely something where they did not consult the Lord on what they should do. Uh, If you want to read a little bit more in that story, you can read in 2 Samuel chapter 21. Because this story is not over. Um, uh, and this peace treaty, and this covenant that Joshua will make with the Gibeonites, it's not over. But it's one of the blemishes of his life. um, One of the very few that is recorded in the book of Joshua. So how does Joshua's life point to Jesus? First of all, Joshua means the Lord is salvation in Hebrew. I gave you some scriptures there, Numbers 13, Deuteronomy 32, um, Joshua's name is called several different names, uh, even in First Chronicles, but Moses will give him the, the new name Joshua, uh, translated in Hebrew as Yeshua, which could be tr- translated into Jesus, and we know that his name um, is, means the Lord is salvation. It, it's just a connection between uh, Joshua and Jesus where um, they share the same name. So, uh, Secondly, let's, how, another way that it points to Jesus, Joshua was able to give the nation rest as victor over his enemies, which ultimately points to Jesus who will give eternal rest and peace for his people. Turn to Joshua chapter 24. With everything as good as it was, Joshua knew deep down that they were not able uh, to do exactly, to follow the Lord like they were supposed to. Joshua tells them, serve the Lord. Don't serve these other gods, serve the Lord. And the people said, we remember what God did. We remember what the Lord did to Brought us out of slavery. We remember how the Lord gave us victory. We've seen the land that the Lord has given to us. And we will worship him. And Joshua sees the rest that the, that the nation is experiencing. He sees the peace that they're experiencing. And he knew that that peace and that rest hinged on their obedience to God. Uh, so back in Joshua 24, let's continue reading in verse 19. But Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. You know, if I brought my six-year-old child in here or my four-year-old child in here and I were to give them a pep talk and tell them, buddy, you can do it. You're going to do so good. You need to do this, this, and this. And I'm like, but there's no way you're going to do it because you're a loser and you're a failure and you're not going to be able to do it. You'd be like, you win the bad dad award. Uh, And that's exactly kind of what's happening here. Joshua tells the nation, you need to serve the Lord. You need to obey his commandments. And they go, we can do it. We're all for it. We're not going to worship these other gods. We're going to worship uh, the Lord because of all these things that he's done. And Joshua looks at them right in the face and says, you're not able to do it. There's no way you can do it. How depressing. How how do you think that would make you feel? This pep talk that is followed up by, there's no way you can do this. It would be like all these kids who are about to take the star test and the teachers pump them up and they've studied and they're like, you can do it. And then they're like, you're all going to fail. Like, Wow, thanks for the confidence. But That's exactly what's happened here. Turn over to the right, Judges chapter 2. Because we're going to see that Joshua was right. Joshua was very right. Judges chapter 2, starting in verse 6. When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. And they buried him within the boundaries of his, of his inheritance to moth in the hill country of Ephraim north of the mountain of Gash. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. So Joshua was right. They couldn't serve the Lord. And not two chapters later in our Bible, we see it become a reality. And that disobedience will usher us into the time of the judges. And that will... Take us right into the time of the judges. This points to our continual need for a Savior. This points us straight to Jesus. Jesus is that leader that will bring us rest. Jesus is that leader that will bring us peace as he's promised us. he promises. He will bring us into the promised land uh, that um, we will not have to battle the enemies. But he will usher us into a time of peace. Uh, that he's promised us from the very beginning. So, oftentimes when you hear about Joshua, you think of him as like the second fiddle to Moses. Uh, but the truth is, the more I read about Joshua this week and the more I really studied about him, I thought churches need to be filled with a whole lot more Joshuas than there are Joshuas in our churches. Men and women who are diligent about Seeking the Lord, obeying the Lord, uh, studying God's word, and committed to serving uh, no matter what God would ask you to do, serving in that capacity. Joshua would have done anything and everything. I'm sure from uh, serving Moses all of those years to being second in command, from being, uh, quote unquote, the second fiddle, there was lots of times when, Joshua proved himself in service, in quiet, God-honoring service. And our churches need to be filled with people who wholeheartedly love God and, and will serve Him no matter what He said, and dedicated to the Word of God like Joshua was. People necessarily not looking for attention, but they're just focused on the Lord. And, and if they see a need, they say yes. Um, and I just want to encourage us, uh, whether you're single, whether you're um, married, whether you're all of your children are, have moved out of the house, whether you're a grandparent or whether you're a great-grandparent, um, I want us to just uh, be focused on the scripture that we started with in Joshua 24. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The reason why there are generations after generations who come up and while this generation is all gunhole for the Lord and then a generation after them they grew up not knowing the Lord. That is a a failure for us as parents or grandparents or great grandparents to teach diligently teach our children the word of God. And I just want to encourage us as we see Joshua, it doesn't matter what the rest of you do. If the rest of you choose to worship other gods, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. And we need to be committed in that and as we teach our children and our grandkids and our great-grandkids or even the kids down the street, I pray that we're diligent in teaching the Word of God and remaining faithful to God in that. So uh, so that's a little bit about Joshua. So Let's pray.